What I will tell you is when teachers work with teachers around their kids doing authentic work, no one cares if it's a charter or a district. They care about their kids. They care about getting better. They care about doing the work that they got into. And it's a really incredible and beautiful um, collaboration and partnership on behalf of students. Welcome to Reality Check, a weekly podcast about anything and everything having to do with education. I'm Jeannie Allen, founder and CEO of the Center for Education Reform. We chose the name Reality Check because a lot of what you read about education these days is often wrong or misleading. If you want to know what's really going on in American education, from K through career, you're going to need a reality check. My guest today on Reality Check is Diane Tavener, the co-founder and CEO of Summit Public Schools, a network of 15 extraordinary middle and high schools in California and Washington State. Diane created the model centered on real-world experiences, self-direction, collaboration, and reflection, preparing all students to succeed in college, thrive in today's workplace, and lead a secure and fulfilled life. The schools have an amazing record of success, and she's also the author of Prepared, What Kids Need for a Fulfilled Life. Join me in welcoming Diane Tapner. Welcome, Diane. Thank you, Jeannie. It's so good to be with you. Well, I have been an admirer of yours for so many years uh, since I first heard about Summit, uh, did a very, very brief visit in your first or second year, I can't remember, and was just struck by uh, your energy and your drive. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing with listeners at Reality Check, what got you into this work? Uh, my personal experience, actually, um, I grew up in a, a small town uh, in a home that was um, not safe physically and emotionally, and um, school was, in some cases, the one place where I could go to actually um, find my way in the world, and in other cases, a really um, challenging place for me. It really depended on the teacher and the year, and I wanted to, um, I've, I've always been driven to help kids like me and other kids who aren't like me um, find their way in the world. Uh, that's amazing. And so you, your path was uh, after school, you went to college. Did you study to be a teacher? I did not. I studied uh, psychology to try to figure out myself and my life experience, um, although it turns out psychology is maybe uh, the, the best thing to study, I think, if you're going into education and any other things. Um, and in college, actually discovered my passion for teaching. Um, we had, I went to the University of Southern California, and there was is a very robust program there where undergrads. Uh, volunteer in the local schools, and, and this was in the late 80s, and the local L.A. schools were in real crisis, And uh, but I had the opportunity to um, teach kids in local schools, and it's what um, I wanted, it's what I found myself being drawn to in my passion, and um, ultimately that clicked for me, and I figured out that that's what I wanted to do. You know, it's really interesting talking about psychology. I remember being in a meeting uh, with uh, the head of the Department of Psychology at one of the Michigan universities, and around the other side of the table was the head of the education school. Mm. And it was when this concept of chartering was first fairly young, charter schools, which we've talked about a lot here, and um, 
the education-leaning department and the people who teach teachers weren't that thrilled about this new idea. And the Department of Psychology dude mm-hmm. says, oh, my gosh, we've always known that kids learn differently and you have to treat them differently. And you shouldn't have schools that look alike. Uh, <laughs> well, I think we've come a long way, hopefully, at least in some pockets of our work. That's for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I just I just remember thinking that was just so fascinating because mm-hmm. because the whole concept that um, Summit and uh, the work you do, the program Base Camp brings to the table is this notion of personalization. And so if yeah. you don't mind, I think a lot of people still don't quite understand how can you really personalize education if you've got all these people in a school and all these people in a class and this teacher and all these other folks that you're expecting to do something. Can you help us unpack it? I can. And maybe let's just start by taking a couple of misconceptions off the table, and then we, we can talk about it a little. Great. I think first misconception is that um, personalized means alone or, or by yourself or individualized or, or solely on a computer, which is actually the opposite of what we're talking about in personalization. Um, and I think the, the second misconception of personalization is that um, everyone is doing everything different and it's completely crazy and there's no sort of rhyme or reason or commonality. And, and neither of those things are actually true. Um, in, when you're personalizing learning and growth, there is still, and in fact, a stronger, more robust underlying set of um, uh, skills and knowledge that we know we want all kids to learn and develop and achieve. Um, personalization, I think, is more responsive to what the current needs of learning are today. And so they're more about these big universal skills, uh, things like being able to communicate effectively and solve problems and um, be able to actually um, analyze and use evidence and, and skills like that that cross uh, multiple disciplines. And so what we know, the psychologists know and, and learning scientists know, is that everyone develops skills at different rates and different paces. And they also, in order to, to learn those skills and practice them, they need knowledge and content. And so that's still important. But again, we, we learn that knowledge and that content differently. And so the idea of being in a classroom with a teacher at the front who's sort of pacing everyone to walk through knowledge and content is actually not working for 80% plus of the kids at any given point in time. And so personalization is really around curating a learning environment and experience where kids can actually be doing, um, working on the same skills, working on the same knowledge, but doing it in ways that are responsive to who they are. And that's because they have a lot of ownership and agency. And so when you're personalizing education, you're also committing to helping kids build those skills of agency and self-direction and goal setting. And so really what we do in personalized work is add on a set of skills that really help kids in the rest of their life, um, both in college and in career and in in their life, and say, these are skills that can be developed. These are skills that can be taught, and they're equally valuable and important to all of our sort of academic skills. We're going to teach them side by side in the environment, and that enables kids to actually learn at different paces, even though there is an underlying set of skills and knowledge that they are learning. So that probably helps address what I think are probably the two most common things you hear from 
whether it's parents, grandparents, people around a child, on a regular basis. Oh, my gosh, uh, Jose is just not challenged enough. Or, on mm-hmm. the other hand, um, little Johnny is getting in trouble all the time. I just don't understand why he can't do the work. Exactly, exactly. And, and maybe I can give you a really specific, concrete example of how this plays out in both of those cases with kids in our schools. Um, the core of the work that's happening there is around projects. And our kids, grade 6 through 12, will, will engage in about 200 projects by the time they leave us. And a project starts with a big, interesting question, um, a, a question that is actually relevant and meaningful to our world. Like, you know, it could be, for example, in, uh, you know, how does, how does a law actually become a law? Or how are, do we end up becoming governed by laws as citizens? And then the, the, the project is designed to have kids bring in and practice a whole bunch of different skills and learn a whole bunch of knowledge and apply it to answering that big question. Um, and they do that in a combination of collaborative groups. Part of the work will be that way. Some individual work, a lot of feedback will happen along the way. And ultimately, they'll do what we would call a performance task. So the end game won't be sort of your traditional test. Um, it will be something that is more meaningful and relevant. So in the example that I'm giving right now, a group of our kids will literally assume the role of a legislator, a real persona, one that actually exists understand, research um, a a particular area of policy, and then actually draft and propose a bill that they'll ultimately advocate for to that legislator that they have become. Something very real world. And as you might imagine, our kids feel very passionately about a lot of stuff that's happening in the world and get very excited and about the the, um, real knowledge they create in thinking about how they could actually move the law in a direction that is is meaningful to them. So speaking of laws and uh, legislation, uh, it would um, surprise me if you had not seen or heard uh, about the latest presidential candidate to take a swipe at charter schools. And while none of us like this issue to be political, what would you say to Senator Elizabeth Warren about her recent statements that charter schools should essentially be um, part of the old system and um, would remove funds. Help, help us educate her. Yeah, I think there's two, I think, important points here. Um, and I think the, the first is around, you know, at the heart of a charter school, what is a charter school? And um, you and I both know that there are, charter schools look very different all across the country. Um, and, and that's part of the point, <laughs> that they look different, that you made earlier. But the, the thing that they do have in common is a, a different governance structure. And, um, you know, this isn't very sexy, and a lot of people don't, you know, this is not what they think about and talk about when they're talking about education. But I think, um, you know, the power of a governance structure that actually allows an institution to be mission-driven, to be responsive to its community and its constituents, to be consistent in that vision and that mission, and to allow professional educators to really educate our children um, from a professional perspective 
is, um, in my personal experience, the thing that has really enabled Summit to be Summit and for us to be successful with our students. And I actually come from a district background, so I spent the first 10 years of my education career in traditional district schools and interfacing with traditional school governance um, that was highly dysfunctional. And most professional high-quality educators will tell you that when they're in traditional systems, they're spending an extraordinary amount of time managing boards that aren't actually bringing value to the work of the, the teachers and the kids. And they're really just trying to fend them off from, from, you know, ruining or destroying the work that's happening. And I think the greatest evidence of that is, you know, our public districts across the country, the tenure of the superintendents in that district, I think is still hovering right around maybe under three years. Mm -hmm. I've been leading Summit for 17 years. Mm -hmm. We are successful because we have a continuity and a consistency and a vision and a clarity. And when... I would suggest that Senator Warren should study institutions that she admires that are truly successful and look at the longevity of the leadership and the, the qualities and the aspects of that. And I think she will find that in the structure of charter schools. And so I think she's just very um, sadly misguided on the, the facts and the knowledge about what we're talking about. Um, mm -hmm on a very wonky issue, and that's really disappointing because she tends to be a pretty wonky person. Right, exactly. Well, and and we were just having a discussion uh, recently in Washington, D.C. with several school leaders here, one who's been on Reality Check, Sean Hartnett, who's the head of Statesman College Prep, um, a relatively new charter school for middle and high school um, gentlemen, and uh, the discussion about autonomy and transparency came up because the D.C. City Council is on this jag to, quote, unquote, you know, make sure that charter schools are transparent and to open them up to all sorts of scrutiny as if they are not. And so there's this right. misnomer. And Sean was pointing out the point. He said, you know, when this word of transparency came up, he said to his parents, what do you, what do you want to know that you don't know? And they're mm -hmm. like, we want to know how our child is doing, how our how our boy is doing. Exactly. Well, is there anything else you need to know? Like, do you need me to tell you what all the teachers are making? No. Do you need to know their home addresses and phone? No. Right. So, so the idea that um, so to your point about districts, there are people that believe because charters are not district schools, they must not be as open, and yet what you do by necessity has to be open for you to be approved and to manage. Uh, oh, oh, indeed. And let me just give you a really profound example of that, Jeannie. My organization decides consent by consensus of 500 employees what the compensation and benefits will be for all, for all employees. It's a completely open and transparent process. Everyone sees everything. Everyone is involved in the decision, and I, I, I don't know of another school system in the country that is like that, and certainly not a district system. And so that's just one example of the level of openness and transparency and clarity and collaboration and representation that exists in charter schools. 
and and the entrepreneurial uh, spirit that you and so many others bring to it is something we should be celebrating and advancing, not trying to figure out ways to not just manage boards, but to manage a flow of information that has nothing to do with whether you're delivering. So you created this program called Summit Learning, Learning mm-hmm. and uh, it got noticed by the foundation, I understand, that uh, helps distribute the charitable uh, and investment goals uh, of Zuckerberg and Chan, the founders of Facebook. Is that right? That is true. The Summit Learning Program is supported by and in partnership with the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative and um, is in its fifth year uh, and really was born from you know, Jeannie, the original premise of one of the original premises of charter schools was that charters would be these these um, these laboratories of innovation and these places where we could try new ideas with the full intention of taking what was working and helping bring that back to all schools so that we could all get better and grow. And, and we take that, that original promise incredibly seriously at Summit. It is a part of our mission. And, um, you know, what we created, the tools and, and the resources and the professional development that we employ in order to, to deliver the program I was describing earlier are attractive to other educators. They want these tools. They need these resources. And um, they started asking for them. And so we started trying to figure out how to support that. And we're very um, fortunate that the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative really believes in that. And so... Um, today, five years in, we're, the, the program is working with over 500 or over 400 schools across the nation, you know, over 80,000 kids, thousands of teachers and educators. And what's really interesting is over 75% of the schools we're working with are district schools. Mm-hmm. And what I will tell you is when teachers work with teachers around their kids doing authentic work, no one cares if it's a charter or a district. They care about their kids. Mm-hmm. They care about getting better. They care about doing the work that they got into. And it's a really incredible and beautiful um, collaboration and partnership on behalf of students. And I love to think about it as the sort of the public, the public in California and then now elsewhere recognized and invested in, if you will, the development of your schools, which are now investing in the development of programs for students um, across the country. This is the innovation that was intended. Exactly. That's exactly right. And when it works, exactly. people will adopt it. When it doesn't, they will stop, despite New York Times wanting otherwise. But we that's a whole right. other story because <laughs> our listeners don't know that the amazing success and transformation that Diane's program has been causing all around the country, people are actually going, oh, my, there must be something wrong with it. Let's find it, which is kind mm-hmm. of a sad statement. But I digress. Okay, so then you took all of your, um, I don't know how you had time for it, but you took all of your learning and your knowledge and your thoughts, and you then put it into a book called Prepared, What Kids Need for a Fulfilled Life. That's amazing. So since September, Diane's had this amazing book out. Tell us about your journey in the book and, and, and what people can expect to learn when they pick it up. Yeah, well, I wrote the book because as we started working with families across all 40 states, we, we started noticing these commonalities. And um, so I, I spent about a year and a half going around and honestly having lunch and dinner and breakfast with parents all across the country. And I started hearing the same thing from everyone, no matter what state you were in. We, we think we're really divided, but honestly, as parents, we're very united. 
around a focus on we want our kids to grow up and be happy and healthy and have good lives and feel fulfilled. And parents are pretty clear that that's not actually what's happening right now in most schools and in our society. That's not what we're actually getting our kids ready for. And, you know, that is the mission of Summit. That's what we are trying to do. And we're using the science and knowledge um, that exists to really create environments that enable that. And so prepared is, um, you know, a love letter to educators. And it's an it's invitation to parents to really engage in um, how we can partner as parents with our schools in order to raise the kids that we want to raise and to give them the opportunity at, as, uh, in, as fulfilled lives. And, you know, it was prompted by a very dear friend of mine who one night was feeling very frustrated with her school and, um, you know, trying to ask me what to do. And I, I got frustrated. I said, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, the whole thing needs to be redone. She said, what am I supposed to do? I can't go to a summit school. I got in the best district I could get into. What what can I do? And so the book is really an answer to my friend Julie, as the best I can answer right now, what we can do as parents um, at home with our own kids. And then um, I think that little by little, if all the parents started doing those things, which include some basic stuff like reflection and thinking forward and helping our kids seek their purpose, um, I think we start to put pressure on our collective system to, to change and actually meet the needs of our kids. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we can we can pick up uh, Barry Brazelton. I don't even know if people read him anymore. I did when my kids were little. <laughs> you know, you can pick up advice for parents, but really the biggest deficiency I see out there, Diane, and you obviously you just hit it on the head, is that parents and teachers, but parents in particular, don't know how they can help their child succeed. You know, like my mom, God bless her, when I was growing up, she just thought it was the school system's job. Right. Mm -hmm. And so many people mm -hmm. feel like, well, I'm not the expert. And then they get intimidated. Right. And of course, you know, the stories right. you go, you go into school to talk to your child's teacher and you, they put you in that little teeny uh, chair and desk. And then they tell right. you kind of like looking down at you and pointing and they mean the best. And they're like, no, yeah. he's keep he, he's not very organized. Please do something about him. And you think, what should I be asking? What should right. I know? Right. Right, and it's so important that, we, that I wrote the book, but we also have launched um, a website because this is really dynamic. So parents need, what parents are telling us is we need tips every day. We need you like sending us a text with ideas. We need to hear about other parents' success. And so we have also launched a companion website with it called preparedforsuccess.org. And this goes back to our, our mission, Deanie, you know at Summit is to like share everything we're learning with everyone. Um, and so preparedforsuccess.org, it's for parents, it's, it's becoming a community where parents who care about their kids being happy and living a fulfilled life, and they want tips, and they want like-minded parents, and they want to hear what other people are doing. And they honestly, you know what we found, Jeannie, is they feel very afraid to talk about these things in their own local communities. Because schools are so competitive, mm -hmm. and they actually sadly see other parents and kids as competitors, and it doesn't feel safe. And so one of the things they told us is they needed a place that wasn't that really local micro community where they could actually go be with like-minded people and learn from them and share with them. And so that is preparedforsuccess.org, um, amazing folks from our team who are really 
trying to create these small five-minute, ten-minute easy tips that parents can actually do on a daily basis when you're driving the car with your kids or before you're going to sleep at night or at the dinner table. Um, to, and those, those little daily habits and routines that actually ultimately make the big difference. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and the empowerment that you provide then to that parent that feels uh, so much more engaged and like they're on top of it uh, is exactly. extraordinary because parenting is like, I mean, it, you know, you almost need like a PhD to do it well mm-hmm. and you shouldn't, right. you shouldn't, especially no, you because shouldn't. we've learned so much and to be able to share that at preparedforsuccess.org. Um, that's fantastic. So the companion to the book, Prepared, What Kids Need for a Fulfilled Life, Diane Tavener. Diane, let me ask you a final question. You've just been an extraordinary interview as usual. Um, I've run out of adjectives because you're just so cool. Um, what, what do we do to, what's, what's your advice for people listening in general about how to help ensure that more opportunities like Summit Afford students and the programs you've created reach, reach everybody? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I, I, this is a. I think this is a big ask for people in this moment of time. But I think it's the most important ask, and that is, you know, um, we're in a moment in time where so many factors in the world are trying to tear us apart from each other, and they really are trying to polarize us and make us believe that we are on opposite ends from everyone else around us. And you know, I wake up every morning and I try to think about. Um, the opposite of that. You know, what do I actually have in common with everyone else? And where can we connect on a human level? And what can we actually do together? And I think this really applies to education. Like I said, for some reason, we've gotten into this place where, where and it's, the system is designed this way, where my child's win is another child's loss. And my child's loss is another child's win. And... Um, I just don't believe that it that it is a zero-sum game, and I actually think everyone loses in that system. And so I want us to think about how, as educators and parents, we can start seeing every child for the gifts that they bring and, not, and the, the potential that they have to give to our world and develop each of them individually. Because that's where I think we get a win-win for everyone. Not everyone wants the same thing. We're not all fighting for the same seat at Harvard and Mm -hmm. the same, you know, job on Wall Street. We actually are driven by very different things. And the richness of our country and our world will be determined by how well we develop each individual child. And um, that's what I would hope we would focus on. It's sage advice from Diane Tavener, the founder and CEO of Summit Public Schools, the author of Prepared, What Kids Need for Fulfill Life, which has a companion website called preparedforsuccess.org. Diane, thank you so much for being my guest today on Reality Check and for all you do to make sure all children have the opportunity to succeed. Thank you, Jeannie. I'm so grateful for the work you do on behalf of all of us. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this edition of Reality Check. You can subscribe to Reality Check at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in and never miss an episode. Visit us online at edreform.com and follow CER on Twitter at edreform and me, Jeannie Allen. I look forward to exploring the world of education with you and another prominent guest next time. See you then.